Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of You Press Play Sports. I'm your host, Richard Pereira, and joining me today is sports editor Cameron Priester and staff writer Zachary Watts. Hey, guys, how's it been going? I know we've been uh, away from the podcast for a while, so it's good to be back. Yeah, um, it's good to be back. Obviously, some very good news in terms of our men's basketball team. Always good to start off with some good news there. Women's side of things, you know, not what we hope to see, but, you know, it it is what it is. Can't have everything go right. But um, baseball starting up, doing well in that regard, doing well in standings, also getting some votes in terms of the top 30 poll. So looking forward to getting into that as well. But overall, just excited to kind of be back and talk about FAU sports and national sports as well. Yeah, I'm doing good. I uh, hope you guys are as well. There's um, a lot of good stuff to talk about. Um, baseball, basketball, some not so not so good stuff, but um, a lot to talk about now that we've been away for a while. And we're going to start off with the highest points, starting with FU men's basketball, as they finally became regular season champions uh, after wins against UTSA and UTEP. Both in very big blowouts, may I add, uh, blowing out UTEP by 40, 106 to 66, which is the second time this season that FU broke the 100-point mark, and then following up with the excellent 75-49 win over UTEP. It's their first regular season title since the Sun Belt back in 2011. So it's been a couple of years since they won the regular season title. Now that they've done it in their last season in Conference USA before heading into the American next year, it's a it's a very big accomplishment to have to pretty much end your time in conference USA with a bang. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, especially coming off that loss to Middle Tennessee, you know, it's always tough to lose games. But even when, you know, we've been on the historic run that we've been on throughout this season, it seems like every loss is bigger than it actually is. And I think our guys did an extremely good job of just bouncing back from that defeat. And winning in bits some big ways. I mean, breaking the 100-point margin is a huge accomplishment, especially um, at the NCAA, NCAA level. And the fact that we are able to beat two conference opponents in that manner, as well as winning the regular season conference UA championship, that's massive. Um, it's huge for our guys. You know, the cutting of the net for some of our seniors, you know, that's something that they'll probably never forget. So it's always good to do that for them, especially on senior day. So huge shout-out to them in that regard. We've just been playing extremely well down the late stretch, you know, Ever since that loss, it felt like every chink in our armor was revealed to us and we were able to address those issues on the court. And it's just amazing to see what we've been able to accomplish up until this point. Undefeated at home, that's always amazing to see. You know, anytime you can show out in front of a home crown is good. And the fact that we've never lost at home this season was remarkable. I mean, I couldn't imagine a better script for this season. But, you know, there's still a lot to accomplish moving forward. I think now we have an expectation put on ourselves as a team. And I think the rest of the country has our eyes on us to see what we're doing moving forward. But, you know, there's still two regular season games left against Rice and Louisiana Tech, both away games. So we have to finish that out strong. But outside of that, you know, some some good things to look forward to. Yeah, uh, just looking at like this past week, you know, with the big win on Thursday and then winning the regular season title, it, it was just kind of awesome to see, especially coming off like a, a tough, really, really like tough loss like that at Middle Tennessee because losses like that can, you know, get to a team at like this point in the season. But it, it really 
kind of didn't slow them down at all. Um, if you kind of like look at their stats, I think both the games they were shooting like really efficiently from like the field and uh, three point range. It was like 40, 50, close to 50 from the floor, both games. And they were shooting really efficiently from like everywhere. So they, that lot obviously didn't like kind of get to them and it didn't really like slow them down. Um, and it was, it, it was just awesome to see them blowing out on Thursday and then another big, pretty big blowout. Um, and then like the celebration at the end, like seeing Mike and Dusty and all the guys getting a chance to like cut down the net. It's, it's like awesome. Like things like that don't um, happen every season and like the circumstances, like going undefeated at home. Um, it, it's, it's just awesome. And like all of us here, should we should like kind of appreciate like, this is like kind of like, this doesn't happen all the time. We should, it's awesome that we're here to see it. Um, but I think kind of the most important part of the right, that regular season victory is getting that number one seed in the conference tournament, which I'm correct me if I'm wrong. I think they have that like locked up now. Like they are the number one seed heading into Frisco. That's big playing, having to play, getting that first buy four straight, you know, conference games, four days in a row is tough to win four straight of those. So getting that first buy and, you know, getting an extra day to kind of prepare for the quarterfinals of what would they would be their first game. That's huge. And um, that's a really big advantage um, heading into the conference tournament. So um, aside from just winning, you know, the conference regular season, all the excitement that comes with that, they've really helped themselves out, I think, in their kind of March Madness hopes, uh, locking up that first round by, but it's just been awesome. It was a, it was a great two games and um, they, they, they look like they look like the team that we've been saying all year, and they should be able to kind of you know keep it rolling in the last two games in the conference tournament. Exactly what I was thinking, Cameron. Like uh, as you mentioned, Zach, um, this is the like they went undefeated at home, which is the first time in their program history that they were able to accomplish that feat, winning every game at home against every opponent they faced in a season. So credit to them. Uh, of course, their first regular season title since twenty eleven. It's just, it's a very special moment, especially with the cutting of the nets, uh, letting Forrest, who played in his last game in, at home in the borough, and of course, Dusty May getting the last cut with everything he has done so far throughout his time as head coach. He has been very successful, and this is pretty much that th this could be his peak as FEU's coach. And man, if he could top it off by making March Madness with this team, hey, it's going to be very big. And as you said, Zach, they, they finish up their season on the road against Rice on Thursday, March 2nd at 8 p.m. And then the season finale against Louisiana Tech on Saturday, March 4th at 7 p.m. Uh, both games are on ESPN+. Plus, so, hey, hope, hope they can finish the season strong and go into the Conference USA tournament uh, with very high hopes, especially since they locked up that first seed, since they own the tiebreaker over North Texas. And moving on from men's basketball, we have women's basketball. Um, unfortunately, we can't say the same for women's basketball. Unlike men's basketball, they have lost nine of their last 10 games, including the last two this past weekend. Uh, they lost on the road in Texas to UTSA 77 to 61 and 63 to 55 against UTEP. So again, nine of the last 10 all losses. Uh, including a six six game six game losing streak, twelve and fifteen overall record, five and thirteen in conference play. Um, 
it just keeps getting worse at the moment for women's basketball. And is there any chance that we could see a little bounce back from them before the season ends? You know, what hurts the most is we're playing competitive basketball for three out of the four quarters. You know, if you look at the six game skid that we've been on through these last six games, obviously, you know, there's one quarter in every game, I think outside of the rice game where we've had one quarter where we've been beaten in that quarter specifically by more than double digits. And you just can't do that. This game most recently, you know, we out rebounded them. We won with points off the bench. We were pretty much effective in shooting. I think we had multiple shooters put up double digits, um, including Anaya Hubbard, who had our seventh, 20th, uh, 20 plus point game this season. So shout out to her. But it just seems like we had one quarter where we just fall silent. You know, we kind of fall flat footed and other teams take um, advantage of us in that regard. You know, Coach Sully pointed that out uh, in the meet or in the post conference talking about if you were to tally all of our quarters, we'd probably be winning or undefeated in conference play outside of just one quarter every game. And it's a really glaring issue. But, you know, that I, I don't really know how you fix that per se. You know, in this past game, I would point at the three-point shooting for us. You know, I think we shot like, oh, like 0 0.083 behind the arc. So that's just not what you want compared to the 20% from UTEP. So it's just not what you want to see um, from an offensive standpoint. You know, we're playing good defensively, not allowing a ton of second-chance points for other teams. It's just we need to find a way to play – a full a full game we just have to find a way to push through it i don't know what it is that's causing us i don't know if it's rotations that are an issue i don't know if we're just not finding a groove um but what what's weird to me is it it would be easy to point out if it was one quarter every time but sometimes it's the first quarter we fall flat sometimes it's the second sometimes it's the fourth it's never it's never really easy to pinpoint where things are going wrong so you know sometimes you just have to look within and maybe sometimes one good road trip or one good night of sleep or one good team bonding activity changes the whole perspective of the team. So, you know, hopefully they can find a way to finish the season strong with the games that are remaining, you know, finish as a team, show what you're capable of and don't, you don't, you don't have anything to prove to anyone else, but just prove to yourself that you, you could have done more. Yeah. I think Zach kind of hit all the nails on the head. Um, it's every game. It seemed like, that at one point they're like right in it down by five, six, seven, whatever it is. And they'll just like quickly fall behind. And, you know, they just continue kind of having the same problems of not, not kind of spreading the ball around inconsistency on offense, you know, 8.3% 8, 8 from three. I think Zach had it right. You're not going to win games just shooting that inefficiently. Um, it, it's it's just a multiple a multitude of different you know things that they could be better at they could um, be improved at um, and I like you said I, I'm not sure what like where where you start because you've lost nine of the last ten to only two or three games remaining in the season there's so many different things that you could improve upon or you know start. I'm not, I'm not like Zach, like Zach said, I'm, I'm not sure where you do start. Um, I, just looking at the rest of the season, like there, there are, there's still things left to play for. Um, I, I just don't know where you start. There's a lot of, um, there's, and like, there's a lot of good things like Anaya Hubbard just can, continues to be a force night in and night out. But on the other hand, you, just 
very inconsistent everywhere else on the roster. Um, there's so many things that they can that they could address, but so little time is the unfortunate part of it. Yeah, definitely. And while not, not of course, as you said, as you guys say, Anaya Hubbard, she is pre- pretty much the the best bright spot on this team. She did uh, recently get a freshman of the week award uh, this past Monday. So uh, averaging 21 points per game against UCSA and UTEP. So credit to her where it's due, but it's pretty clear that the team uh, must get it together somehow, some way before this regular season ends and they enter the conference USA tournament pretty much as a lower seed. And they will finish this season at home in the borough against Rice on Thursday, March 2nd at 7 p.m. And Louisiana Tech on Saturday, March 4th at 2 p.m. So hopefully they can finish the season strong at home and just ride it out. Just get a seat as high as seat as you can, as you possibly can. And moving on from women's basketball, we have FU baseball and they are off to a very strong start. Six wins, one loss, uh, starting out with a three game sweep over Monmouth and then annihilating UCF on the road in Orlando, 13 to three. And after losing the the opening game against USF 5-1, they went on to to beat USF uh, uh, in very two, in the last in the last two games very tight, very tightly contested, and they pulled that pulled away with both games to win the se- season series. And you know the, this offense is very good to start off, and the pitching definitely see some major improvements compared to last year. So I want to know you guys' thoughts on. Um, how they have been performing this season to start and what they can keep keep going with what they have. Yeah, you know, I think the biggest story of the season is definitely our offense. You know, we've been exceptionally well at the plate so far through the season. That opening series against Monmouth, we have, we've exploded um, at the plate. You look at Jackson Ross, already has four home runs on the year, so he's doing exceptionally well. I think we have five batters batting over 300 that have started all seven games this season so far. So they're playing exceptionally well, but I, what's kind of sticking out to me the most. And I think this was most apparent during the USF series was when we went into that extra inning games, you know, our bullpen uh, in years past has been very questionable. You know, we've wondered whether we can kind of allow our pitching staff to hold things down to allow our bats to get hot. And, you know, that's been very apparent, you know, Hunter Cooley, the ace of the staff, he's, came back for another run at it and he's always going to, you know what to expect from him essentially, but some of the new guys that we brought in, you know, they've pitched exceptionally well to be able to keep a game tied that late in the extra innings just shows that we have the depth and the staff to compete with any team in the country. And I know you may be looking at USF and they're like, Oh, well, you know, that's not a top 25 program. How can you say it? Like, how can you compare that to some of the best? Well, we're going to be moving into their conference as of next season. So you look at future conference opponents, you know, this is who you're going to be matched up with year in and year out. And you want to be able to tally together good series against them because at the end of the year, when you look back at your schedule, winning those close matchups is what gets you into a regional or not. And that's what we're playing for. Even the, even this early in the season, you're playing for the, you're playing for a regional appearance. Um, Obviously we have bigger expectations than that, but for now, you know, We've started on the right track. Offense is playing exceptionally well. The bullpen is doing their job. Our starting pitching is doing exceptionally well. Our transfers, everything just seems to be going right. And I think the biggest reason for that is what uh, Coach Max said coming into the year. You know, he said, we finally have guys that have a year of D1 experience under their belt. They know what it's like. They've been here before. 
and they can finally just start applying what they've learned from last year into making improvements in this season. And you're really starting to see that um, through these first couple of games. Yeah, no, uh, a week or a week and a few days, however long we're into the season now, they look great. Um, looking at the Monmouth series, you know, it's not the toughest opponent, but and you kind of expect them to go in and kind of win that. They dominated. It was like a home run derby those last two games. They were, everybody seems to be swinging the bats well in all those series. Um, UCF, that was dominant performance, especially on um, at the plate. Um, and then looking at USF, I feel like, people like six and one is a great record but I feel like people don't kind of aren't glossing over the fact that they're FAU's like like a couple fielding errors against uh, USF in the game one it's I think Cooley gave up five it was but only two of those were earned and it was like off of three four five separate field errors and Mac after the game said himself like there's nothing Cooley can do out there he's he's out there throwing if the defense does it there's nothing you can do. So we're honestly, we're a, that was two just bad, only bad innings, really. I think two bad innings away from being undefeated right now. And um, that, that that's great. But the next week or so, I think, is going to tell us a lot about this team. You know, tonight they have, I want to say Miami's number 22 in the country right now. Um, and then they, they, um, and then a couple of days they have UConn, who at one point was. I think started the season out top 25 if I'm not mistaken and then Florida for a doubleheader who's seven um that's a stretch that's a that's a tough stretch this early on in the season and Zach you kind of talked about how um Mac boasted kind of the maturity this year this this stretch of games will tell us if he's right um having to you know host a team like Miami and then get on the road or is I'm not sure if he's on the road uh yes get on the road for Florida that's um for two games, that's a that's that's a, that's a tough ask. So, um, the maturity, the bullpen, if the offense will can you know kind of keep up the pace, which maybe they can't because guys are swinging right now. Um, all that's going to be put to the test in this next like week and a half. Um, so we'll see. We'll really see what this team is about here soon. Yeah, definitely agree with you there, Cameron. Um, as you say, tonight at six thirty. Uh, on Tuesday, they're taking out Miami, ranked 22nd in the country, even higher in, in other baseball polls, college baseball polls. And after that, they take on UConn, who was in the Super Regionals last season. So even though they haven't had the best of starts, they, they are still a team to keep an eye on uh, from March 3rd to March 5th. And throughout that span with a three-game series against UConn, a, a Super Regional team last season. So definitely a matchup to really look forward to. And then they head out on the road to Gainesville to take on the Florida Gators, who are currently, from the looks of it, seventh in the country. So very big tests. And in year right, Cameron, we'll see what this team is really made of come, come to those, coming into those uh, encounters. And that will conclude our time with FU Sports. Now we head on to national sports. And for our only topic of the day, the NBA. Um, a lot of time has passed since we last talked about the NBA. Um, we were originally going to talk about All-Star Weekend, uh, the dunk contest with Mac McClung just going crazy out there. And uh, Utah's, well, well, it was a pretty good All-Star Weekend besides the All-Star Game. Um, it was not that competitive, even though it was very fun seeing Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum go at it. And now that the regular season has resumed, um, LeBron got injured. 
but the Lakers managed to come back all the way to beat Dallas, who have Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving, like coming back from a big deficit thanks to Jared Vanderbilt. And and now LeBron's injured; he's out for a few weeks. Um, so, what do you what are your guys' thoughts on what happened in the NBA throughout the past couple of weeks? I think the biggest storyline um, outside of the LeBron news, because anything LeBron does is probably going to be headlined, but you know he's out for two weeks. But I think the biggest thing to me is you look at the Bucks' 14-game win streak, and there's going to be a photo finish out in the East. You know, we have two very, very competitive teams um, with the Bucks and the Celtics, and there are some other teams in the East, but those are two title contenders I'm looking at right now that I'm most intrigued by. You know, you look at the Grizzlies' rise in the power rankings. Um, you know, ever since Jaws' comments of we're fine out in the West, a lot of movement with teams out there has really started to spark some controversy of who's really the top dog out there. So, you know, it's just – it's good to see we've moved away from the whole like super team era. Like there's always going to be super teams. I'm not trying to say like that was a once in a lifetime thing. Like we're always going to have those, but the fact that just every team seems to be competitive and can be anyone on any given night, it just makes for really intriguing basketball matchups. Cause you know, anytime you can tune in, you know, you're getting an exciting matchup um, from any team. The one thing um I will point out that I really like to see and hear from the whole all-star break was um, Anthony Edwards comments about trying to make guys play more nights and trying to move away from the load management just from a fan's perspective, because you never know how often these fans are going to be able to make it out to your games. And the fact that you're sitting out just isn't fair to them. So the fact that he's playing for the fans, I really like to see, obviously, you know, with, how tough these guys are playing night in, night out. It's kind of unfair for me, who's just sitting behind a computer to ask more of them. But at the same time, you know, if a guy who's that young and doesn't have that much bad experience can say that can have that mature of a response really goes to show um, how good of hands our leagues in. Um, and speaking of which um, LaMelo ball is also out. So it seems like the Hornets can never catch a break. So it's sad to see really good talent be out like he is, but I mean, Otherwise, it's been really intriguing to see how things have been playing out in the league. There's always interesting storylines. I mean, I didn't even touch on Damian Lillard, and he's been playing fantastic. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, just, it's been really enjoyable to watch. Yeah, um, All-Star Weekend was just – it was just that All-Star Weekend. You know, I don't think anyone had – I think the dunk contest may have lived up because of Mac McClung and him only may have – kind of exceeded my expectations. I was not expecting anything at all. And then, you know, the all-star game is what it is. Um, but moving moving past that, uh, I looking at the East, I, I think exact, exactly right. It's Bucks or Celtics to lose. Um, and I, th- I can't wait for it to come down to that. that that's going to be a great series. And right now it just kind of looks like either of theirs to lose. Um, Looking at the West, I, the I think the first looking at the Lakers because why wouldn't we talk about the Lakers first? Um, they look great, you know. Before like the new look Lakers, whatever you want to call, it, you know, they look they look great. Um, but seeing D'Lo go down like that, that it's tough, man. And I feel like it's just kind of like the most Lakers thing ever. But if there is a world where they can, you know, get the the whole new look Lakers together on the court somehow if that's possible I think they're as much a contenders as you know anybody um and there's like a lot like uh 
I don't want to say it's wide open anymore, but it's, I, I think it's still as like the West is as much as anybody's even after the deadline as it was before. I still think there's like question. I don't think like the, I think there's question marks still kind of around the suns. I think it will take uh, more time to see if that like unit can work cohesively. I think the Clippers are, are a sneaky team. It, it's, it's, I think it's still just as wide open, even the West, even with all like the crazy craziness surrounding surrounding the deadline and all the news around All-Star Weekend. Yeah, for sure. And well, as, as we look at the Eastern Conference, then the New York Knicks are on the rise. They recently just took the fifth seed from the Brooklyn Nets. They are on a six game winning streak and they've been looking much better uh, after getting Josh Hart from the Portland Trailblazers, who has elevated their defense. And then they just got Mitchell Robinson back from injury. So their defense is going to be much better throughout the rest of the way, as long as they stay healthy. And of course, Jalen Brunson and Jacob Julius Randle keep carrying the load offensively. And they're looking much solid, more solid every day. And the Knicks, they're, they might be a dark horse in the East, maybe, but like not definitely not title contenders, but a dark horse, they do have that chance to be one. And in the Western Conference, we need to talk about the Sacramento Kings. Uh, they, you know, Sacramento Kings, um, they're looking very good, looking very comfortable as the third seed. De'Aaron Fox has been going off and three state wins, including one with a, a very, a very entertaining shootout with the Clippers, second highest scoring game in NBA history. Um, the fact that they are doing this and they are on the verge of making their first playoff playoff berth since uh 2005 2006 around that time so what do you guys think uh about their accomplishments this season and how can they keep this going yeah i think this more so speaks to the fact that the nba needs more flexibility with their media schedule you know a lot of the times the sacramento kings are stuck in this phase where they only have regional television games and they're not able to showcase their talents on a national level and i know it's unfair to say that looking at it from a preseason point of view when you try to set scheduling because, you know, who would have thought the Kings would have turned out the way they have this year. But, you know, the way the NBA is shaping up to be, you know, every team has talent. Everyone, it just depends on who's hot, um, who's able to play the cleanest basketball. And the Kings have, you know, they've very deservingly so have earned their spot into a playoff push. De'Aaron Fox playing exceptionally well. You know, they have plenty of guys in that roster that are playing remarkably. Even that shootout game, which was the second highest scoring game in NBA history, it, you, you could have fooled me. I thought that was an all-star game. And the fact that I had to watch that through a highlight reel on YouTube because I couldn't catch it on television just is kind of disappointing, you know, now given it is a West Coast game, we're on the East Coast, so it's kind of hard to stay up that way anyway. But despite that, you know, it just seems like the NBA is always going to favor their top teams and they're going to follow them regardless if they're bad or not. You know, if the Lakers weren't the Lakers, would they even have gotten the media attention that they would have this year with how poor they started off? I don't really think so. And, you know, I think it's unfair to teams – like the Cavs who started off incredibly hot and the Kings as we're talking about it, but there's, there's so many teams that play above the level of expectation and they're kind of punished for it because, you know, just because we thought they were going to be a certain way and they end up proving us wrong. They don't have any way to showcase that to the entire country. And I think it's a huge loss on the NBA's part. It's bad business. It's not a good product, but you know, these are what, this is why we come on here and talk about it. Cause maybe one day they'll make the fix and you know, who knows, but despite all that, I don't think the Kings care if they're on TV or not. They're going to keep playing quality basketball, and I hope to see that. I hope to see them in the playoffs so I can watch them myself. Um, just talking about like TV. No, you guys got it exactly right. And but 
I, I do sympathize with the NBA. Like, you you have to do, like, the preseason and, like, it's basically going off of just, like, predictions. But, like, the NFL kind of does it where they, like, they call it, like, flexing games where, like, a game may have been, like, a 425, but they can move it to, like, prime time if that's obviously, like, the game of the week or something. And I feel like there are people smarter than us out there. Are There, there are ways to figure out to, like, market the teams that are – doing well at the time and I feel like the Kings are an incredibly marketable team because I feel like part of their 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 shtick and they kind of catch some some flack about it on Twitter I've seen but they're like out they kind of play with like an out-of-body confidence and it, it's just kind of like it's 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 their team and it's like like when you listen to De'Aaron Fox he like like I said he kind of caught some flack but I th- it's just part of like their identity He's like, oh, we're not, we're not worried about that thing. I think that will pl- help, like, kind of play into that. Like, oh, if we don't want to get put on TV, um, I, I think that that like all kind of plays into their play style. And um, I think that I more than confident that they're making the playoffs. But once they get there, I don't know because from if, if say the playoffs were to start today, they'd be matched up with. Dallas, something like that. I want to say that's just not a a matchup that um, I just have like the utmost confidence in in like the Kings going into. Um, they're kind of young, um, but the, with their way they're the way they're playing right now, they should be able to give someone trouble. Looking at, I'm not sure how that if that stays like that in the playoffs when you know the stakes are built and you know, they do get that media attention because once they, once they're, they like set themselves in there, I feel like kind of that will, some of that will fix itself a little bit. Like what we're talking about, like the media, whatever. Yeah. And when we look at the Kings, they do have the best offense in the NBA. They're averaging over 120 points a game. The second highest would be like 118. And that would be the like the Warriors uh, who are uh, like in the play-in right now. So and their defense is not that good. They allow 118 a night. Um, and going against Dallas, who have a very good offense themselves, especially when Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving are going off. But, hey, I would love to see that as a playoff series. That would be, offensively speaking, that, that is a very fun series. But, yeah, credit to where it's due for Sacramento. And hopefully they keep up that momentum, clinch a playoff spot, and just, you know, do as best as they can because at the moment they are playing with house money because nobody thought they would be this high up in the standings, especially at third place uh, with a chance to win a, the division title in the Pacific. So, right. so yeah, we'll see how Sacramento does from here on out and we'll see how the rest of the NBA responds. And, and for our what last are, question, oh, oh, go ahead, Cameron. What is it? What are, what are our thoughts on the MVP race right now? It's been kind of, they've been kind of talking about it, talking heads. Um, ESPN, Jokic. Like <laughs> the Jokic three-peat. Uh, I already said Tatum earlier, like long ago when we talked about the NBA at the start of the season. I want Tatum to win it, but I don't think he's the favorite. I don't think he's the favorite. No, I think Jokic is the favorite because of his ridiculous stat lines night in and night out. Crazy, craziness. Yeah, I'm kind of on the same wave. You know, I've, was on the Tatum train to begin the year, but there's too many games this season where Tatum kind of falls silent and the rest of his team is picking up the slack, like Jalen Brown um, specifically. 
But in terms of Jokic, you know, he may well be on his way to a three-peat. And I think he has the most pressure on his back to win a title. Because if you're a three-peat MVP, like if you three-peat the MVP, how do you not have a ring? How have you not even been in the big game? Like, I, it really makes me question, like, how much of, like, valuable he is to his team. Not get, I'm not knocking him in any sense because I get it. The Nuggets wouldn't be where they are without him. But the fact that they're not even able to build around him or, like, do anything – to like even make that serious of a playoff push like it kind of just undermines the fact that what he's doing is as spectacular as it is because i mean averaging a triple double is insane in itself i think it even it should stand out more to people that the value behind a triple doubles because a lot of the time people like to say oh it's like only stat padding or oh you know it's only doing that because ever since like the whole russell westbrook average triple double thing people tend to knock it but what russell westbrook did was insane like yeah. you can you can call it stat padding, you can call it whatever you want. You're wrong if you call it that, by the way, because it's still valuable to your team. But what Jokic does, Jokic can give you 10 points, 20 assists, 14 rebounds, or he can put up a 40 ball with like 11 assists and 12 boards. Like it, at any given night, he knows how to impact the game to the best of his ability, and he never tries to do too much, which I think is phenomenal. But I I think he's well on his way to win his third if they finish things if they were to end the season today i would probably give them this three p oh yeah i'm on the same like thought process like that Jokic is the easy favorite right now i think averaging a triple double on the efficiency he has like playing at like the five like he I, that's that's nutty to me um but I, I do agree that it's like he has more pressure than kind of like anyone not only the fact that it'd be like say like three three P MVP, but I feel like people if you say he doesn't get the ring this year or he or say he loses in kind of like really bad fashion, I feel like people will kind of give him the rust treatment like about his play style, like um saying like you you're not gonna be able to like get over the hump with that play style with the um like the ball in your hands almost every possession the offense running around you as a big man. I think people will kinda if it doesn't get it done um, the narrative will kind of change on him a little bit, but it, it it's it's crazy what he's doing right now. Like average, like I said, averaging a triple double on I'm not sure the exact number, but on ridiculous efficiency. It, it's crazy, yeah. So he's he's my favorite right now, but the pressure is on. Yeah, for sure. And when it comes to Jokic, when it comes to this, is the best Denver Nuggets team he has been on, especially as with him as the leader. If they don't get uh, at the very least the conference finals. Uh, and he wins his third MVP. It's a major disappointment and would definitely damage his credibility to some fans and some NBA watchers because him winning third straight MVP and he doesn't make a conference finals, even though he has done it before in 2020 in the bubble, uh, he hasn't done that since. And this is time, this time it's with the squad fully healthy. If he doesn't get to the conference finals at the very least, it's definitely going to be a disappointment and even be a bigger disappointment if they lose in the first round. Dallas Mavericks style from 2007. Uh, like when when D- Dirk won his first and only MVP and the Mavs lost to the Golden State Warriors in six. And, and we can talk all day about like guys getting hurt and like roster building, Jamal Murray. But, you know, we got to give him the same treatment as Kevin Durant, LeBron. You're, you're the guy. You got to win at the end of the day. So like we can talk about that for days, but you got to win. That's it. Yep, for sure. With that, that'll be it for this episode of You Press Play Sports. Make sure to hit like and subscribe, click the bell to keep up with notifications from us, 
Also be sure to go on upressonline.com to keep up with news, sports, and more content alike. To follow us on Twitter, it's for me, at Rich26Pereira, for Cameron, at PriesterCameron, and for Zach, at ZachWatts1 underscore. Thanks for watching, everybody, and have a great day.